It's Brian, your lunatic friend, telling my story of Jesus and music in 1976. I was lead singer and driver of the Winnebago, but only if I wrestled the steering wheel away from bass player Kevin Thompson, we finally had an album out, and because we'd been playing for three years before that happened, we would sell 10,000 copies of that vinyl record in the first three days. And having an album out would make us look a whole lot better on paper, but in the daily grind, it changed almost nothing. Because the drive to the gigs didn't get any shorter. We had a regular concert at a place called The Warehouse, in Sacramento, it was the second largest concert that we did all year. Second only to Calvary Chapel's Saturday night. The warehouse was 450 miles away, and in a van pulling a trailer it would take about 10 hours if you didn't have a concert in Fresno. I remember doing this one gig in Porterville, California. It was about a halfway mark. It would be the smallest attended concert we ever did. There was almost more people on stage than there were in the audience. It was an enthusiastic pastor, his family, and three friends. Later we would call it a rehearsal when nobody showed up. But the warehouse in Sacramento was a new kind of church. It was the beginning of churches in an industrial complex. So the warehouse was an appropriate name. It was modified to seat 800 people. And when we played there, there were people sitting on the floor in the front about six feet deep. We played there about every three months. The one I remember most is when Rick Thompson came out from behind the drums to play a song up front with his guitar. And we would back him up. But on one particular night when we got to the chorus, he was singing, Ooh, it's the spirit. And suddenly he throws the guitar down on the stage and dives into the audience. And the band kind of slows down to a stop, looking completely dumbfounded. Stage diving hadn't been invented yet. I had been in a band with Rick Thompson for three years, and I had no idea that earlier in his life he had gotten punched in the mouth, lost his front teeth, and I would only learn of it because he spit the fake ones out, singing a song to a crowd uh, that he would join. And I think that was the last time he did an unplugged number in front of the audience, but it wasn't the last time he had played the fool. Back home in our own church, we were doing a midweek service, and Greg Laurie decided to pray for people up front, and he turns to Rick and he tells us to sing something that the audience can sing along with softly while he prays for people. So Rick picked a song that starts, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We were just going to sing it without instruments, and Rick decides to lead it off, but apparently he didn't have a key in mind, so he tries to find it after he starts singing, and it came off kind of like a howling wolf, more like Hallelujah. Needless to say, Greg is in the middle of a prayer and he can't stop laughing, and neither could we. Quench not the spirit, the Bible says, but we invented a new category that night. It was called the unintentional quench, and it wouldn't be the only one. You got to remember that everybody here was all in their early 20s. We would get a little cuckoo at Coco's after church, and we'd almost get kicked out. In the Jesus Revolution movie, Greg Laurie is portrayed as a sane individual, but that wasn't the guy I remember. Offstage, he wasn't much different than the cartoon characters he made that living water tract out of. Back when Sweet Comfort was a three-piece band, rehearsing at the new church, Greg shows up while we're playing a really rowdy number. He climbs up on top of the old church organ and starts dancing and acting like a Pentecostal, right when a middle-aged woman shows up at the side door. So we all stop to look. She looks a little worried, and she says, uh, I'm looking for Pastor Greg Laurie. And Greg says, he's not here. As he looks up at the ceiling like he's checking for water damage. Now in 1976, the Sweet Comfort Band had never been outside of the state of California. Back then, there was only a two-lane road going from Riverside to San Diego. It took three hours to get there. A guy named Mike McIntosh had a new church there. He had taken over an old theater, but it was the same size as the warehouse in Sacramento. Only the seats in the audience were more comfortable. In our early days, we never ran out of energy at the end of a concert. It was always followed by a late night food fest. And our bass player was famous for cleaning his plate. And when he was finished, it was followed by, hey, are you gonna eat that? So one night, our guitar player, Randy 
Thomas, decided to pull a prank on him. There was a giant scoop of butter that came with pancakes. It was in a separate bowl and looked like it would fit on an ice cream cone. And he pushed it over to me and said, hey, do you want to eat this ice cream? And I said, no, I'm full. And like a fish to the hook, Kevin eyed that bowl, grabbed it, and stuck a spoonful in his mouth. And he would spit it out even faster. So now you can understand why we would write a song called Childish Things. Like the scripture says, when I was a child, I goofed off just like a child. Who knew that would be the truth even into our 20s? But the early days weren't all fun and games. At 23 years of age, I would get a child's affliction that they called tonsillitis. That's right, I had to have my tonsils taken out, and I don't know how I would have paid for that if it wasn't for a doctor at the church. After that surgery, I felt like I'd swallowed a bowl of crushed glass. But I got to eat ice cream every day for a week, checking to make sure it wasn't butter. And you need to drink as much water as you can stand, they told me. It was kind of ironic. The more pain you inflict on yourself, the more healed you will be. Because swallowing will make it heal faster. Now, I wasn't fat to begin with, but I lost 15 pounds that week. And I didn't feel like shaving for about two weeks. It was the only time I ever thought about growing a beard. My hair grew fine on top of my head, but on my face it was fine as frog hair. I would give the whole idea up when someone said, it looks like you walked into a cobweb. I still remember that day standing out front of my little garage apartment. I was so thin that I remember looking down and I didn't even have to suck my stomach in to see the top of the snap on my pants. That was the day I got a call on my wall phone from Rick who said, hurry, turn on the radio. The only radio I had was in my Pinto out in the driveway. So I went outside, turned on my car radio to the local rock station right when they were playing New Kid in Town by the Eagles. That's what I heard Mike Matthews, the local DJ, say, speaking of new kids in town, here's a local group with a new song called Childish Things. I can't tell you how strange that felt to be hearing my own voice on a rock and roll station while at the same time standing alone in my driveway. It was a euphoric moment that I had no one to share with. But in the coming weeks, the popularity of this song would raise the awareness of our band and God would speak to me a seldom spoken of word of truth that the satisfaction of accomplishment is not the same as having peace on the inside. I really enjoy reading your comments on these Jesus and Music episodes from the 1970s. It's great to hear what you relate to. And thanks for sharing nutshell sermons with your friend and throwing money at my madness in those two-minute antagonistic devotions here at nutshellsermons.com slash support.